Number 325 will be the song of invitation, as Cameron mentioned. Good morning. It's good to see everyone on such a beautiful rainy spring morning. We do have several who are not able to get out this morning. Uh, some are sick. Some are traveling. So uh, pray that they'll be back with us next time. And looking out over the audience, we, we do have several empty spots. So keep those in our prayers this morning. And when you think about it, uh, as far as subjects that we may discuss from time to time, I, I'll choose a lesson or a topic that I think people, people could benefit from. And sometimes the people who could benefit the most aren't present when the lesson is presented. So, and that's, you wish it weren't true, but it is. And I want to invite you this morning, if you are where you can, um, share this lesson with people who, who could benefit from it. Because we live in a day and time where we have so many pressures on us. That people, we live in it, people are angry today. People are hurting today. And we may not, you know, we have so much stuff, right? So affluent, if you will, compared to many other people in the world. But yet here in America, we have all of the blessings of freedom and liberty. But yet we're so angry all the time. We live in a bitter world. We're going to talk about bitterness this morning. I want to turn our attention to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 14, 14 through 17. That's going to be the text of our study. And then we'll kind of branch off from this text and, and focus in on the subject of bitterness. First of all, though, let's begin by reading our text in verse 14 of Hebrews, chapter 12. The Hebrew writer says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance though he sought it diligently with tears. In this text, the Hebrew writer is giving a warning. First, you have the positive admonition to pursue peace and holiness. Then he warns of falling away from the grace of God, falling short of the grace of God, not receiving the grace of God because we allow some root of bitterness to spring up and cause trouble. That trouble is caused in our own personal lives because of our sin. And it can be caused and can also cause trouble in the lives of those around us. Nobody lives and sins in a vacuum. Our choices affect not only ourselves, they also affect those in our lives. So the Hebrew writer is giving a warning here. He brings up Esau as an example. Esau sold his birthright to his brother Jacob for a morsel of food. Esau did not adequately respect or value the gift of the birthright. 
He did not deem it something worth keeping, but instead he, he sold it for a bowl of food. And so he was rejected. Do we not realize that sometimes our decisions, our choices can indeed, if you will, set our feet in stone and put us in a position where we will never be able to get back to where we ought to be? Some decisions we make in life set our future. That's why it is so important to make wise decisions in the beginning. It's so important, young people, to make the choice of who you're going to marry. And when you enter into that, no, this is forever. And you make that choice and it's going to set the rest of your life. Choices are important. You can't go back and undo these choices that you make. So, with those things in mind, I want to define a couple of terms. And the term root, root of bitterness, root, the idea is that which is a cause or an origin, a source of something. So the Hebrew writer is warning that there is a source, that there could be a source of, of some bitterness that can defile you. And destroy you. He says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It could be the love of money that destroys us. It could be our own selfishness that destroys us. Anything from which our destruction comes is the root. Bitterness. The term bitterness. Metaphorically a condition of extreme wickedness. Now, literally, bitterness is the gall of bitterness, for example, in Acts 8, 23. The idea or the concept there is that of uh, this bile. And it is nasty. It is detestable. It is poisonous. Metaphorically, it, it has to do with hatred. And that which will destroy someone from the inside out because of their bitter hatred and their jealousy and envy. Which produces bitter fruit. The result, it's painful, it's detestable, it's wicked fruit. Bitterness. And going back to the text, the root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit is the idea that doesn't just affect you, it affects those that are around you. We are instructed to pursue peace with all and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So this is an important pursuit. We should not let anything prohibit or prevent us from gaining this peace that is, that is so valuable with those who are around us. We should do all within our power, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 14, or chapter 12. What, as much as lies within you is, be at peace with all men. Now sometimes, peace is not possible because they love wickedness. You can't have fellowship with that. You can't have peace there. But don't let it be your fault that there is no peace. And holiness, purity, godliness. 
we must be careful not to come short of the grace of God. Now, that implies that we can come short of the grace of God. We cannot uh, receive what God wants to give us because of our own choices and our own attitudes. So we need to be careful, very careful. That's the warning. Then do not allow any root of bitterness, anything that would cause us to become defiled. And in the context there in verses 14 through 16, Esau is used. He even uses the example of fornication and profanity. Now what was it that caused Esau to destroy himself? We think of the root of bitterness in Esau, oh, he was jealous of his brother. Well, that's true. But mostly that came after he sold his birthright. He was bitter towards his brother after that occurred. But there was something in him that caused him to sell that birthright to begin with. He did not value that birthright like he should. He had also, remember, had married some women that he, his mother and daddy was not pleased with. And that caused some problems and trouble. Later on, there, there were several things that, Several choices that Esau made that, that, uh, that hurt him. But the idea is Esau did not properly value his birthright and did not take his, his part seriously. And he gave that up. And so he is an example of one who gives away that which God wants to give or that is available to one. And you reject that. Esau is an example the reference is going back to Deuteronomy 29, which was read as our scripture reading this morning. In Deuteronomy 29 and verse 18, the, the Jewish apostate is referred to as a root that produces bitter poison. He is the false prophet, the false teacher, the idolater, who is in the congregation who leads other people away. This is the root of bitterness that... Moses references, God references in Deuteronomy 29, 18. And as Arndt Gingrich says, a bitter root, a root that bears bitter fruit. The whole can become defiled by the ungodliness of a few or just one. And so we need to be aware of the danger of a little leaven, leavening the whole lump. That is really the idea of Hebrews chapter 12. And it's talking about the poisonous attitude that then destroyed the example Esau. And he's warning that we not take after that example. Like Esau sold his birthright, his inheritance, for temporary gratification of a meal. We are warned not to yield to the transitory pressures, problems, or pleasures of this world. That we forfeit our eternal glory. That's the warning. And we can make choices in our life that puts us in a position where we can forfeit it forever. Now, it's not that we can't repent later. We can if we have a mind to. But people, you know people have done this. They've made a decision. They have gone back to the world and they become again entangled in the world. And they are unwilling to break free from that. They put themselves in that rut so deep they simply will not get out of it. Even though they want to. A drug addict is a good example of this. Someone who is, has become addicted to heroin 
How hard is it to get them broken free from that, from that drug? It is almost impossible. Even though they may want to. They say, I'll never do it again. Wait a couple of days. They'll do anything in the world. They'll rob, they'll knock somebody in the head to get their money so that they can get their next fix. So, be, be aware. We can make decisions that will put us into a path that we may never be able to break free from. We can be poisoned to the point that that won't happen. Well, let's turn our attention to another passage. In Acts chapter 8, verses 21 through 23. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Now this is Simon Peter talking to Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer had believed and obeyed the gospel. He had been baptized, becoming a Christian, and he was saved. But then when Peter and John comes down to Samaria from Jerusalem, they, he sees them laying their hands on people and giving them the Holy Spirit. And Simon offers Peter some money so that he could have what they had. So he could go and give this gift to somebody else. Now, I don't know what all was in Simon's heart. It doesn't tell us, but we are told that his heart was not right in the sight of the Lord. The New King James uses the, the phrase, poisoned by bitterness. Poisoned by bitterness. Now, the King James, the ESV, the NASB, and several others translate it in the gall of bitterness. Gall, again, has the idea of bile. It's, it's that which is repulsive and extremely bitter. Stands for extreme wickedness, metaphorically. Productive of evil fruit. And just like in Hebrews chapter 12, that is the application of the idea here. There was something in Simon that was still governing his choices, his words, his actions, that was wicked. And I, I don't know what exactly was his motive, but I know it wasn't right. He asked for something that he did not have a right to, but it seems to me there's something more sinister here. Perhaps he was wanting to use what he was purchasing to put money in his own pocket. In other words, he was hoping that he could use this miraculous power for material gain. But whatever his motive was, we know that it was poisoned by bitterness. It was the gall of bitterness. It was profane. He did not properly appreciate holy things, spiritual things. He did not properly value spiritual things. He was profane like Esau in that regard. He was poisoned by bitterness. We can be poisoned. There's something in our hearts that can lead us down the wrong road if we're not extremely careful. So both of these passages emphasize really getting to the heart of an issue or problem. We live in a day and time in which, you know, even doctors, they like to treat the symptoms, but they really are not that concerned, or at least they don't seem like they are, about finding the real cause for the problem. And the Hebrew writer and the Apostle Peter both are talking about a root problem. 
And if we're really going to be right spiritually, we have to get to the root of our problem. The root of our problem is sin, it's worldliness, it's ungodliness. It's our ungodly attitudes and thoughts. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, this word is used again. It's, it's, however, having more to do with the attitude of bitterness here. In verse 29, Paul writes, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for, and for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So as Christians, we ought to be trying to do good to speak, to teach, uplifting, encouraging, wholesome, sound words, trying to get people to see the truth and believe the truth, being helpful for our brothers and sisters in Christ, speaking things that are encouraging and uplifting. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God by disobeying His instructions, by disobeying His word, by refusing his leading through his word, we can say no. And we can continue to hold on to the fruit of the flesh instead of, and fruit of sin, instead of the, developing the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5, 19 through 22. 23. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now bitterness, as Paul is using the term here, is how we're most familiar with the concept. But it's still dealing with an attitude, and it is something that will destroy us. Bitterness. Put it away. In other words, we can know from this passage that this is something we can reject. We can choose to not be bitter. We can choose to not be angry. We can choose to and refuse to commit clamor and speak evil of other people and to wish harm against other people. We can put all of that away. But it begins with the root, the heart. And bitterness, it seems that Paul is talking about a progressive manifestation of the root of bitterness in this passage. That is the envy, the hatred, the jealousy that resides within the heart towards another person. And out of that flows wrath towards that person, anger towards that person, clamor towards that person, evil speaking and malice. It goes all the way from the thought of the heart to the acting out of evil and hurt against that person. Put it away. Don't do it. What, why do people become bitter? You know, I, I think all of us know somebody that's bitter, that we know and can classify correctly as being a bitter person. Why do people become bitter? There are a lot of reasons why people become bitter. A lot of reasons and a lot of excuses, I should say, really. So why people have become bitter. Some people become bitter because of trials. We were talking about trials in our Bible study. It really comes down to our attitude and our perspective on these trials as we talked about. Trials, some people become bitter because of the trial. Some people become better because of the trials. 
What's the difference between the two? The difference is attitude. One person looks at the trial through the eyes of faith, and he sees the trial for what it is. It is a test. It is an opportunity to develop endurance and strength. It is an opportunity to, to develop my spiritual maturity. And it is just another stepping stone on my way to glory. And that's all right, because I trust the Lord. While as other people look at these trials and these hardships in their life as inconveniences, and they don't like them at all. And they allow those things to destroy their heart. You think of Job. How did Job respond to the trials that he was put under? He responded by trust and faith in God, and he endured. Many people failed those same kinds of tests because they didn't have that faith or trust in God and have become bitter because of that. Many people blame God for their problems. They like to point their finger at the Lord himself. In James chapter 1 verses 2 through 21, we are warned of this very problem. We are told that we are to count it all joy when we fall into various trials. Okay, because trials produce patience, endurance. Endurance produces maturity, completeness, and wholeness. But then we are warned that we are to, and we need to understand and know that every good and perfect gift comes from God. But so many people, they focus on the bad. Now, God's not the cause of the bad. God gets a bum rap. He's falsely accused of being the cause of all the bad in their life. God is not the cause of the bad directly. He's not the cause of evil things that happen. That's sin's fault. That goes all the way back to the, to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. And more specifically, many times the bad things that happen in our life, many of those things happen because of our own choices, right? Because of our own sin. And we are the reason why these things are happening to us sometimes. But one thing we can never do is blame God. Because God is the author of good. And that's why in verses 19 through 21, James emphasizes the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It can't. And the wrath of God here, or the wrath of man that he's talking about here, is the wrath that men may have towards God himself. And their anger turns into evil speech towards God himself. Many people blame others for their mistakes. <laughs> On live PD last night, there's this fellow pulled over, okay? He's all upset because he's pulled over by a cop. He's mad because the cop pulled him over because he was speeding. But he's mad. Why is he mad? He was the one speeding. He's the one that gave the officer the reason to pull him over in, in the first place. Of course, he also had drugs in the car. He didn't have his driver's license. They had been suspended. Now he's in a lot of trouble. It's the officer's fault. No, it's not the officer's fault. That's the way people treat God. We blame others for our mistakes, for our sins, for our choices. And then we become bitter because things are going going bad for us. 
the thoughts of unbelief, another cause of, of bitterness. In Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 all the way through chapter 14 and verse 12, we find the story of the children of Israel. They come up on the land of promise. God had promised them this land. And God had delivered them from Egypt, given them His law, led them in a very short period of time now to the border of the promised land. Twelve men are sent into the promised land to spy it out. Twelve men come back. All twelve of them talk about the goodness of the land from the standpoint of its fruitfulness. However, it is destroyed by the inhabitants. The inhabitants are, the, the inhabitants are giants. They have great walled cities, and we can't take the land. Ten spies said that. Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, We are well able with God. The thoughts of unbelief. And then they became angry because they could not enter into the land. They became bitter. In fact, you follow the children of Israel. They became a very bitter people. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In fact, what is, the, what is one of the major manifestations of bitterness? Complaining and murmuring. When people are bitter, what do they do? They complain. They complain about everything. They, com they murmur about everyone. They're not happy. Because they don't trust God. People find themselves unhappy sometimes in life. They find themselves unhappy in their marriage. They find themselves unhappy in their family life. They find themselves unhappy in their workplace environment. They find themselves unhappy with their lot in life in general. They find themselves unhappy. What's the problem? Is the problem really the circumstances that they are in? Or is the problem really their outlook, their perspective on the circumstances that they're in? A person who truly trusts God and who puts God first in his life, all of these circumstances and the problems that arise within these circumstances or from these circumstances are going to be adequately dealt with. And a person is going to retain his joy and his peace, his happiness, even in the worst of circumstances. It is the thoughts of unbelief that destroy our joy and our peace. We find ourselves unhappy most often because we're not doing what we ought to do. Jealousy. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, Cain, jealous of, of his brother Abel. In John 21 and verse 21, remember Peter, Jesus had just asked him, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Peter, you, uh, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes! And they go on and, and, and Peter says, what about John? What about John? This isn't about John, Peter, this is about you. Sometimes we can develop a jealousy of others and allow that root of bitterness towards that person to set up in our hearts. People become bitter because they are jealous. People become bitter because of their own stubbornness. Their unwillingness to submit to God. Their unwillingness to, to trust Him and obey Him. Their unwillingness to do what's right and what's necessary to help themselves. Why? 
If you were dying physically of cancer, and you knew someone who had the cure for that cancer, would you be so stubborn as to not go get the cure? Why? I suspect almost everyone would go to whatever doctor they could afford to get that cure. Why is it when it comes to spiritual things and the spiritual cancer like bitterness or hatred and jealousy, why is it that we allow those things to destroy us and we won't seek the help knowing that there is a remedy? There is a remedy for bitterness. There is a cure. And it's 100% effective. It's found in Jesus Christ and our faith and our trust in Him and our following His will. But it's our stubbornness that gets in the way. Like in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 19 through 21. When the people of Israel would not do what God commanded them to do, He gave them this bitterness, the effect, that is, of their own stubborn hearts. They suffered because of their stubbornness, their rebellion against His will. Which was from this seed of poison, this bitterness in their heart. And it brought about, it turned back on their head. It destroyed them. Our own stubbornness will destroy us. Acts 7 verses 51 and following. Stephen t tells those, those who stoned him to death. He said, you, you're stubborn. You're just like your fathers. Your stubbornness, your hardness of heart. That's the reason that people reject the truth so often. They reject the truth of the gospel because they're stubborn. They're going to hold on to whatever denominational theology that they want to hold on to because of their, their parents or because of their family or because this is just what they were taught. They are stubborn. Let us never be that stubborn. Let us always seek truth, regardless of where it leads us. Let us be people who desire what is right and what is true. So, why do people become bitter? It's not the external things, nor is it those who have hurt us that make us bitter. It's not. It's our poisonous attitudes. Our lack of faith and trust. Our envy and our jealousy, our hatred, our discontent. Those are the things that make us bitter. Okay? It's not the external things. It's not what people do to us. People can do anything to us. And you can choose not to be bitter towards them. It's not what happens, it's how we respond. What are some of the effects of, of bitterness, the consequences, if you will? Bitterness provides Satan with an opportunity to destroy our life. I mean, it gives him an inroad, an open door into our heart so that he can just tear everything up. It's like opening a door to your house and allowing a bunch of thugs to come in and take whatever they want. That's what bitterness does for Satan. It gives him an open door to come in. Of course, it's from Satan himself, but bitterness destroys our relationship with God, first and foremost, and our service to him. A bitter person is not going to be serving the Lord in his life. He's going to be too bitter for that. Bitterness destroys marriages and families. You hurt me, I hurt you back. 
Oh, now I'm hurt. Now I hurt you back. Now it just goes on and on and on. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And the couple gets further and further apart. Things become harder and harder to fix. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. To the point to where a married couple thinks, you know what? We can't fix this. You know, there is no point in a marriage where it cannot be fixed. There's not a point. Not really. Not if the two people would truly turn to God. There's no such thing as a marriage that cannot be fixed. No such thing. There's no such thing that, as a family that cannot be put back together through the power of God. Yes, all things are possible in Christ. Absolutely. Philippians 4.13. That applies to marriages. You know... But you've got to do what God says. You've got to seek the help. You've got to do the work. You have to be humble enough to accept your role and your responsibilities. And you have to be forgiving. This is where, listen, love can mend all wounds. It can. It really, really can. Destroys friendships and relationships. It destroys our work environment. It can destroy everyone around us. But most importantly, well, not most importantly, but personally most importantly, it destroys me. It destroys myself if I'm bitter. I hurt myself mentally, emotionally, and physically. Bitterness takes its toll on the human body. Are you bitter? Some people uh, will reject and deny that they are. Here are some symptoms of bitterness. You know, sometimes when it comes to physical maladies, we'll look up on, on uh, Facebook or on Google, rather not Facebook, but on, we'll Google uh, a medical site and we'll see if our symptoms you know, match the disease that we think we might have. So think about this from the standpoint of bitterness. If you are bitter towards someone, you don't want to be around that person. Is there anybody in your life that you don't want to be around because you don't like them? Now, I understand that there are people who are wicked, who are sinful, that you don't want to be around because of their influence in your, in your life, and you don't want that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone that you don't like. Just, I don't, want, I don't like that person. I don't want to be around that person. You think, that, think about that from a mari- in the marriage. A husband, when he becomes bitter towards his wife, Colossians 3.19, when he becomes bitter towards his wife, he doesn't want to be around his wife. He wants to be around somebody else. When, his, when the wife becomes bitter towards her husband, she doesn't want to be around her husband. Don't want to be near or talk to them. Are you easily frustrated by people? Now, sometimes it's easy to be frustrated about you know, things happening around us. I'm talking about frustrated with people. Everything is an issue with, with them. You know, it's like if they looked the wrong way, <laughs> then that's a big problem. A, a, a wife, for example, who is jealous and envious and bitter towards her husband, she automatically knows what he's thinking when some good-looking woman walks by. 
She's going to attribute to him an evil thought. He might have been guilty of that thought. He may not have been guilty of that thought. But she's going to attribute that to him anyway. A husband in that condition cannot do anything good, cannot do anything right. When you are bitter towards another person, they cannot do anything to please you. Paul said, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Sometimes it's even when people do what's right, that in and of itself is just wrong. That is if you're bitter towards that person. Constant criticism. You can't appreciate, you can't see anything good in those who are, who are the object of our business. Everything is bad. Paul said he thought that he had to do many things that contrary and hurtful to the cause of Christ. He was enraged against them. He was bitter. Paul was a very bitter man. Another thing, if you're bitter... You're not going to trust the object of your bitterness. If you're bitter against God, you're not going to trust God. If you're bitter against Him because of the circumstances that have come, come in your life, you're not going to trust Him. You can't. You're bitter towards Him. He's done you wrong from your perspective. The same thing is true in a marriage. You can't trust someone that's hurt you. Because, now you're bitter. You can't trust them. Bitterness will rob you of your trust, your ability to trust. Everything is going to be suspect now. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 17, the love believes all things. Love hopes all things. You can't forgive. Is there anybody in your life that you cannot forgive? I'll say to you, if there's somebody in your life that you can't forgive, not because they haven't asked you, not because they haven't, but, but there's somebody in your life that you are unwilling to forgive you've got a problem with bitterness it is controlling your thoughts your heart and it's destroyed you if you can't forgive somebody bitterness has taken root bitterness can be avoided and of course to prevent prevention is worth a pound of cure right now some prevention is worth a pound of cure. Well, it's better to prevent it than to have to deal with it later. But some of the prevent, preventative measures are also to be included in the healing process of those who are bitter, but love is the key element. Love is the most important thing. And we choose whether we're going to nurture our love or not. Our heart receives only what we put into it. And we nurture the feelings that we choose to nurture. We can choose to love our spouse, love, choose to love God, choose to love those around us, or we can choose to despise them, be jealous of them, and become bitter of them. That depends on which we nurture. Do we nurture our love? That, that's, that takes effort doesn't accidentally happen. Not the biblical kind of love. Real love. Humility. I need to be humble. I need to be humble enough to see myself in my own needs. 
Are we always willing to put ourselves in another person's shoes? Are we willing to confess our own faults and see ourselves as we really are and see our own needs and look at it from that perspective? Because if we really, really, really looked at other people, what we would see is someone, a sinner like us. And so we look at others from that perspective. Guarding our hearts. We need to guard our hearts. Keep a positive, contented, thankful outlook. Trust God. Place your faith in Him. Guard your heart from anything that would destroy your faith in God. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 also emphasizes this very point, by the way. He talks about the peace of God that comes to all those that passes beyond our understanding, right? But it comes through our following the will of God. And if we follow the will of God, what we, what we do is we think upon the things of God. And as Philippians 4 and verse 8 talks about the things that we're to think about, the things that are true, noble, honest, just, good. And, and as we think about those things that are right and holy and good and beneficial to us, we focus on those things. We learn how to be content. Even though we may be suffering outside, we are contented inside. We can learn to be content just like Paul was, with what, whether we have little or nothing or we have everything. We can learn how to trust God. And then, when we trust, now everything is made possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I trust Him. I know that God will never leave me nor forsake me. I trust Him. So why would I become bitter? How could I become bitter if my love for God and my trust in Him is what is truly guiding my heart? If you're bitter this morning, the first thing that you need to do is recognize your, your ailment, your sin, your problem. And so many times what happens in marriages is communication breaks down and, and people become bitter because they don't communicate. Now, there is verbal and nonverbal communication. I understand that. And we don't have to explain everything. You don't have to talk all the time. But the idea is we must communicate our needs. If someone has hurt us, we need to communicate that to them in a loving way. We need to communicate that to them. Just like in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If someone sins against you, you go to that person. You and yourself alone. You go to that person and you talk with them. You have a heart to heart with them. Communicate. That will keep you from getting bitter towards them. But resolve the source. Don't internalize your hurts. Turn them over to God. Seek help. Do not give place to wrath. Do not allow your hurts to become anger. Do not allow your pain to distract you from your trust in God and doing what's right in His sight. Do not give place to wrath in your heart. Nurture your love for God and others. Repent. That is a change of mind that results in a change of action. 
We renew our minds in Romans 12 and verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into this world's image. The world is full of bitter people. But be transformed in your mind. Be ye transformed and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And pray. Pray for forbearance. Pray for patience. Pray for peace. Pray for those who have wronged you, those who have hurt you and have despitefully used you. Pray for those people. Desire the best for them. Hope. Listen. You've heard this many times. If you really want to destroy your enemy, make them your friend. Get into a peace with them. Of course, that requires them changing. I understand that. But that's how you destroy them. You destroy your enemy. You turn them into your friend through God's will. That's not going to happen all the time. I know that. But as much as lieth within me, I am to live peaceably with all men. Pray for them. Do good for them. Uh, even Paul made the point that you, by doing so, you pour coals of fire on their head. That either they're going to change and become your friend, or they're not, but that's okay. If they don't, that's their problem. It's not yours. In Genesis 50, in verses 19 through 21, we were talking about Joseph in our Bible study this morning. Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. Joseph had every opportunity to be, be bitter towards them. He had every opportunity to be bitter towards, towards his father, towards even God. I mean, think about it. Joseph was a very young man when his mother died. God took his mother away from him. A lot of people think like that. Joseph didn't. Joseph then was sold by his brothers into slavery. When he got into Egypt, and he was bought by Potiphar. He was just a hard-working, faithful young man, servant. And he rose through the ranks, and Potiphar put him over everything in his house. But then, Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes on him, and she made an advance towards him. He refused, and she accused him of attempted rape. And so Joseph was thrown into prison. It wasn't his fault. He did nothing wrong. He fled from her. But he was thrown in prison anyway. All these opportunities to be so bitter. After the famine that came, and eventually, of course, we know the story, Joseph was raised up and exalted, second in command, and throughout Egypt. And his brothers, after the famine came, came to Egypt looking for food. And Joseph, we, we know the story. After their father died, the brothers come to Joseph begging him because they were afraid he was going to get revenge. Joseph's response to them is, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it to about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones and be comforted. And, and, and he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He could have been so bitter. Jesus is hanging on a cross. And he looks down at the people who were screaming out against him. If he believes in God, let God save him. 
If he's the Messiah, let him come down from the cross and we'll believe in him. And they mocked him and they ridiculed him. They had falsely accused him. Here he is hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do we allow bitterness to control our thoughts and our heart? My friends, listen, if, if we are harboring bitterness, happiness, peace, and joy will find somewhere else to harbor because it can't harbor in our heart. Bitterness is like drinking poison while hoping that our enemy dies. It doesn't work that way. Seeking to do good, being kind, being helpful, being generous, providing blessings for others, that not only helps them, it also helps me. It also benefits me. I am blessed by doing good. But if I become bitter... I hurt myself. Bitterness. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got bitterness in your heart. I'm going to ask you to turn it over to God. Seek His help, His provisions, and begin to fill your heart with His love. Now that all begins by our submitting to Him anyway, submitting our will to Him, becoming a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus. If you have never been baptized into Christ, you're not a Christian. That's the first step. But let us seek to constantly grow the love of God in our hearts. That will keep bitterness out and it will save us. Bitterness will destroy us and it's our choice. Maybe you're here this morning and if we can help you in any way, won't you come while we stand, while we sing.